0: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Trash the left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back! Hits one out. Oh, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast
1: Live. 2-1. The slider is banged to deep right center field.
0: Back onto this pucker. Takes a look and out it goes. Jed Lowry gives the A's a one-nothing lead. In his first long ball back with the Athletics. Now one and two, big pitch right here. Olson waits. Here it is, breaking ball, hit high into right field, way back. No doubt. How far will it fly? Halfway up the second deck, and Matt Olson unloads with a three-run home run, and the A's take a four-to-one lead. So three and two is the count to Cana. Here it is, to Mark. swung on in a high drive left center field way back headed for the wall and that's gonna be gone above the 25-foot high wall in left center field for canna and that's a two-run blast and the a's break it open and they have a six to one lead and Rikidi from the stretch the first base side he's at the belt and there's the breaking ball and lariano drills it to left way back if it's fair it's got a chance and it is gone and lariano has hit it out And the A's take a 4-0 lead. Seth Brown swings it to drive, right field, way back, might be his first major league home run, and it is! Seth Brown delivers a shot to right field into the second deck, and the A's take a
1: 7-3
0: lead. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: I like it! Great job, Commander. As it was fun, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we actually had some fun and now a day off which was it was so bizarre yesterday having the day off on a sunday i just i you know i just don't remember having one and it was great got to go play some golf got to barbecue got to watch the masters it was it was it was weird but i like it so if they want to schedule some of these sunday days off in of major league baseball I am down. Our good friend Mike Farron, who works for the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's like me with the Diamondbacks. And also Sirius XM. He's a great host, great guy. And he'll join us here at 4 30. And then Lou Trevino will be here at five o'clock. And just to let you know just to let you know how good my yesterday was, Cody, what what am I wearing on my head? Uh, An A's hat. What kind of A's hat? Uh, It's all white. And so we played court of all yesterday. Nice golf course. Great golf course. So my buddy's a member there. And so he played me for merchandise. And I won. Made three birdies. Played pretty well. And inside their, their pro shop. They've got hats for the Giants. They got hats for the A's. Well, the A's hats, the one was all white and the other one's all gray with our A apostrophe S in green and gold. And I went, I need those. So we played for these hats and he had to buy me these hats. And let me tell you something. It is nice to finally own a hat that's not green. Because let's face it, folks, green doesn't go with everything. But a white A's hat and a gray A's hat hat will. Very excited. They're like trophies for me. It was a long 10 days, man. It was. And now where the A's are is essentially, and I think for a lot of different teams, you get through the first 10 games or so, the first couple series, and if you did not play well, this is kind of like a reset button. The ace can kind of like hit the reset button because now they're going to have some easier competition before they got to take on the twins and the whole mess in Minnesota. My God, and I don't even know what they're going to do, Cody. I, I there's no way they can play there. I think they're going on to a curfew tonight. I don't know if it's going to be hey let's let's get games in, let's get on planes and head back to Fenway Park and start playing, because this is a four-game set. And there is no way what's happening in Minnesota, especially at night, that any of the teams in Minnesota, whether it's basketball, hockey, or it's baseball, there's no way they can play. I know the area well. I've been there multiple times. I've got my cousin lives there, says it's an it's an absolute, it's, it's not safe to be out on the streets of Minnesota. And it wasn't when I was there. So we stayed in the big Marriott with the Raiders. We're taking on the Vikings. It was downtown. And Raider personnel was warned about hanging out in downtown. This is before George Floyd. They were warned about not hanging out downtown, not hanging out at night. If there's a Twins game, there'll be more security. But they actually gave maps of the city of where if you wanted to go out and you wanted to dine and you wanted to go to a bar or whatever, they gave different areas or outside of downtown, which would be safe. So Uber, cab, don't be hanging out downtown. Don't be hanging out at night. So this situation was bad. And then you throw what recently happened and you throw George Floyd and and what's going on there with trying the police officer. I don't know when teams in Minnesota are going to feel safe and be able to play. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that. But as of right now, tonight's game has been canceled and I got to think the series may go back to Fenway park or they're going to have to do something because I don't think target field, they're going to be playing baseball there anytime soon. Well, the big thing is how about your race getting up off the deck? It was fabulous. You know, that first game you knew, uh, Cole Irvin, it is what it is. But you had a shot the next two days with a rested bullpen, Sean Mania, Frankie Montas, let's go. And what did Sean Mania and Frankie Montas do? And we will talk to Lou Trevino about this. Something happened. And we'll ask Bob Melvin later this week. But something happened to where these ace pitchers were told, establish your fastball. Good old number one, go after him with the heater. And what'd you see from Manaya Fastball, fastball, fastball. Frankie Montas the next day, fastballs. He threw all fastballs in the beginning. It scared me when he's going after Jordan Alvarez and Alvarez is fouling him off and fouling him off. You're thinking, uh. but that's what Frankie did. And he was fabulous. Establish the fastball and keep pounding the strike zone. Because there's nothing better. And the A's went out there and played their game. 13 runs, five off home, uh five home runs. You're seeing balls launched into the second deck. That was a wake-up call for the A's and also for the Astros. Because the Astros had pounded you for five games. And they they got their swagger. And next thing you know, the A's turned back and pounded them at home. Let's see how that translates. They had a day off. Most of these guys live in Arizona, so they can sleep in their own beds the next couple nights. Let's see how it translates. But those two games made you feel a heck of a lot better. Remember, they only scored 19 runs in their first eight games. Then the last two games, they put up 13. They've now won three of of four after losing six in a row. A lot of their players in these last two games, I mean, everybody is doing something other than Matt Chapman. You look up and down the lineup, if you keep and score, every single player did something. Got on base, scored a run, at least walked, did something. The only guy that didn't get on base on Saturday was Matt Chapman. Everybody else got on base. So the whole team is contributing, right? It's just not a couple guys hitting home runs. I mean, you had Mark Canna, who just continues to amaze at the leadoff spot. He had two hits and scored. Ramon Laureano had a great day. He had two base hits and a two-run home run and a walk. He was on four base. He was on base four times. Jed Lowry continues to be a machine. He had two base hits. He had two RBIs. The last three games, Jed Lowry's hitting 455 with a home run and four RBIs. Ramon Laureano. I mean, it's just down the line. Matt Olsen's starting to get into it. Murph finally hit with a runner in scoring position. Seth Brown, his first career home run. And how about that? Second deck. I asked Ken Korak this. I said, Ken, I bet if you went and checked the history of baseball, there are not a lot of guys whose first career home run was in the second deck of a stadium. Cody, would you have to agree with that?
2: Yeah, a lot of guys get like, not, you know, no offense, but a lot of guys get cheapy home runs where they just clear the wall or something like that. Seth Brown uh, pulverized that ball, and I was happy for him because we saw him in 2019 come up, and he played well for the A's. A lot of extra base hits but no home runs, and I think he had 13 RBIs. So to see him hit that home run, it was awesome to see.
1: Yeah, he uh he got all that and you just and, and he got the ball back. So that that's, you know, that's really cool. Cuz you don't forget the first hit, you don't forget the first home run or the first time you strike somebody out or you win a game as a pitcher, you get a save, you don't forget that first. So he's always going to remember that. What was your first big league home run? Yeah, it was against the Astros in Houston. You know, the other thing I want to ask Lou about later on now that we've had a day to breathe. What's it like going into Houston now? It's not like they can be trusted. Is there a camera behind your back? I don't know. Are there cameras? Or I mean, are they still doing stuff? Because if you'd tried it before, a la the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots have been popped multiple times. It's not like these organizations, you know, they learn. Well, they learn how to win. so they keep doing it cuz winning is what matters. fines, draft picks, what does that matter? You think Jim Crane would pay 5 million for a World Series trophy? He'll pay, he'll pay a 5 million. This guy's a billionaire. You think he's not What's five what, what do you think is 5 million to Jim Crane? That's tip money. You know how much money they made off winning the World Series? If I said to you this. Cody you own the A's. You're gonna to have to pay five million, but you're gonna win the World Series and you're gonna make millions of dollars. Would you do it?
2: Am I losing my draft picks? Because you know how valuable draft picks are.
1: Yes, of yeah, course so i would. Lose, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose some draft picks, and you're going to pay five million, but you're gonna you're gonna win the World Series.
2: That's okay. I'll tank down the road later, and I'll make up for it. So yeah, I would
1: and i don't know i mean just seeing it from a from taxes standpoint do they get to write that fine off oh that's
2: a good question we, we gotta we gotta find someone that's a a bookie from for a baseball team that knows how to. that do is that. way above our pay grade <laughs> but think about that
1: i mean is it like a donation do they get to write that five million off and get to keep the world series trophy but yeah i mean in houston People change their signs with nobody on base. That's how paranoid everybody is now about these guys. There's nobody on base. Why are you changing signs? Because you just don't know. And look who's going tonight for the snakes. Our old friend Madison Baumgartner, the big tough guy out on the mound, challenging everybody, Mad Bum. You want to know how bad Mad Bum has been? Since the start of 2020, when he signed a five-year, $85 million deal with the D-backs, his ERA is 7.28, tied with former A, Tanner Roark, for the worst ERA in the major leagues during that span. Do you see why certain contracts are just bad ideas? We're not paying one pitcher this amount of money. And every one of our guys has been better, basically. The D-backs have lost. You ready for this? They guaranteed this guy $85 million. They have lost eight of his 11 starts since signing him to the deal. D-backs don't have a lot of money. And they got to use it wisely. And they thought, we're going to bring a guy that's kicked our butts for years, But we all could have told you here in the Bay Area he's not the same guy. His stuff isn't the same. The velocity isn't the same. Cody's spin rate isn't the same. Of what Madison Baumgartner was like in 2012, 2014, to where he is now. They basically lost every single time he's gone out on the mound. So far this year, the Diamondbacks, they're 0-2 in his starts. The warning signs were there. And he just, he was not good with the Giants in the end. I understand he was like a hero to the Giants. And remember, Cody, we were working with people that were these huge Giant fans. And you can't get rid of them. It's Mad Bomb. uh, He's been terrible. And now what are they paying him? Yeah, They can't win his starts and they're paying him $23 million. You don't think you could take that $23 million and do other things with it and spread it around and get far more, and I mean far more, value out of that. By the way, you know what's funny about his, uh, when's the last time, Cody, you went on his baseball reference page?
2: Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say earlier today. Actually, I'm on it right now looking to see how the A's hitters do against him.
1: Well, I noticed something that I think is pretty hilarious. Madison Bumgarner, in his career, has made $27,100 in the team roping rodeo competition. The national finals in Rancho Rio, Arizona. He won 600 bucks. That was in 2019. Then in Las Vegas, the event was the Las Vegas and Wickenburg, also in Rancho Rio, Arizona in 2019 where he won $26,500. So he's, he's had a nice little roping career, Madison Bumgarner.
2: You mean Mason Saunders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
2: right. <laughs> he, he was – I mean, there's no denying it. He had one of the greatest, if not the greatest, postseason run ever for a pitcher back when the Giants won the World Series against the Royals. There's no there's no denying that. He's been, to me, an okay regular season pitcher. Um, he's not Clayton Kershaw. He's he, been good. He's been good, but he's not Kershaw where people are like, oh, he's better than Kershaw. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I, you know what? I understand. Giant fans, the 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 newer Giant fan isn't as baseball savvy. It's a bunch of fanboys, let's be honest. But I'm not going to, this guy, I. it's not fair to compare him to Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw has all, I mean, he's got the modern day best ERA. I mean, it's not fair. But Bob Gardner, look at this. From the time he was 21 years old, 33 starts 32 starts 31 starts 33 32 34. that's pretty darn good and then he had the accident and then he had the what right for spring training uh ball right back up and broke his hand so those years 17 and 21 starts but then his last year for the Giants 34. the guy's 120 the guy's 120 and 97 for his career despite being brutal the last two years. He's had a damn good career. Is he Clayton Kershaw? Is he an all time great postseason? Yes. But I, I'm a baseball guy before I'm an A's fan. I gotta be objective on this show. He's had a really good career. I mean, you gotta give it. I mean, yes, he's never won a Cy. He's never come close to winning the Cy Young Award, but still, I if if you're gonna give me a guy that year in and year out gives me thirty plus starts and he's he's a well above five hundred, I gotta give the man his due.
2: No, he's been very consistent. It's just the, the way that people talk about him, it's more so Giant fans than anything. The way they talked about him is that he's the greatest pitcher in the history of the Giants franchise, and no one even comes close to him. And, they, I mean, he's been consistent. He has this, the body of work, the starts, everything. But never winning the Cy, uh, for everyone out there that's a big wins guy, I don't think he's ever been come close. To, I think he came close to 20 wins once. Um, so you're, when you're looking at him for a Hall of Famer, he uh doesn't do it for me just yet. He's still relatively young though, so he can get back on a Hall of Fame track if he figures it out in Arizona. But Arizona's been you know, there's some of their starters. We won't get to see Zach Allen because he's hurt. But they have like Luke Weaver pitched yesterday. He's not bad. Like their their rotation isn't overpowering, especially with Gallon out, but Bumgarner, you, you sign him to you look to be your veteran leader and a guy that knows how to pitch in big games and he hasn't done that. And But, hey, he can hit the baseball, though, and we'll get to see him and Chris Bassett bat tonight. Can't wait for that, man. Can't wait to see Chris Bassett, who hasn't swung a bat since August of 2019, swing a bat tonight in Arizona. I'm so excited.
1: By the way, the the Dominican dandy is on the phone. You know who that is? No. That would be Hall of Famer Juan Marichal for greatest Giants pitcher, (laughs) uh, San Francisco Giants pitcher. Yeah, uh, Hall of Famer, two hundred and forty three wins. Yeah, the Dominican Dandies on the phone if you want to talk about the great. And then uh, a guy named Gaylord Perry had a little time in San Francisco too. Putna. So slow down with he's the greatest pitcher <laughs> in Giants history. Do you? Re- I I mean you're talking. How many times? Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven times he threw over two hundred innings, Juan Marichal, and he pitched over. He pitched three hundred plus innings twice, including one was two hundred ninety-five and a third. Can you imagine if a guy threw three hundred and twenty-five and two-thirds innings, Juan Marichal, at the age of thirty? was 26-9, 30 complete games, <laughs> and threw 325 and two-thirds innings. And he's the nicest man. I've gotten to meet him a couple of times. Now, can you imagine can You imagine if we had a starting pitcher throw 30 complete games? We're
2: lucky if a guy gets three in a season anymore.
1: Not 30. We're lucky if a guy goes six.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. Um, anymore. And it's it's funny because I went back and found the audio from when we had the Candyman Tom Candiotti, on, and Candiotti, man, man. he uh he pretty much told us on the show what uh about Madison Bumgarner. Here's what he had to say about Madison Bumgarner back in February when we previewed the snakes in the NL West.
3: You know, one of the things that Diamondbacks have is their starters really aren't that bad. You know, when I look at this, you go Bumgarner, okay. You know, to me, he's more of a a number four type starter, you know, in these days now, you know, he's not that old. I think he's only what 31 or 32 years old, but a lot of, a lot of innings on his arm. And uh, he really struggled last year. I think he threw a pretty good game at the very, maybe his last game or last, last two games or something. But, uh, you know, so you look at him down in the rotation.
2: A four guy, a number four for $85 million. You want him to be your number four starter? What is it? You're not the Dodgers where you're having him be your four-starter. You ain't the Nationals. You're the Diamondbacks. You're a team that hasn't won the World Series since 2001.
1: $23 million for a four-starter?
2: Sorry, that's, that's not going to get it done in modern Major League
1: Baseball. Well, I, I got to tell you, the guy going tonight, he's got to start throwing the ball better. Chris Bassett is looking to avoid becoming the first pitcher in the majors to lose three games in 2021. Bassett gave up four runs in six innings when he lost to the Dodgers last week. 19 of the 38 batted balls off Bassett. You ready for this, Cody? Have been hit really hard. They've been 95-plus. 19 of the 38 batted balls. That's 37.4%. No, no, that rate, no, that rate last year was just 37.4% in 2020. Now, luckily, the Diamondbacks don't hit a lot of balls hard. They're second worst in baseball, only to the COVID Commander Cody uh, Marlins. But Bassett's been giving up a lot of hard-hit balls. And we'll see, kind of, if we're going to carry on what we saw in Houston the last two days of just pounding the strike zone with fastballs. Will that be the same case? Is that what we're going to see from Chris Bassett? To where Scott Emerson's like, you know what? You guys have, you know, when you're throwing outside of the strike zone and you're nibbling and you're throwing a lot of balls and you're walking a lot of people, that's just bad for everybody. It makes the game slower. It makes your infielders on their heels pounding the strikes on, making them get ahead of hitters, make them swing the bat, put the ball in play, utilize your defense. Everybody loves strikeouts, but the problem with strikeouts is that's a lot of pitches. If you're throwing a lot of pitches, you're out. It's 5 and dive. Maybe 6 if you're lucky. We see so many we've seen so many outings this year in baseball be 5 Five innings or less, which is hard to believe. And by the way, I have how long are we on till? Uh Five twenty-five. I've got. I, d- do you want the you want the the number one stat of the day? Yeah, give it to me. The three true outcomes: home run, home run, strikeout, or walk. It's plaguing our game. In twenty twenty-one. The three true outcome is making up 37.2% of every hitter in baseball. 2020, it was 36.1. 2019, it was 35.1. It's jumped all the way to 37.2. And, oh, yeah, how many A's games have we played under three hours? One, maybe. One one yeah one nine games have been 3 hours or more you're talking about a lot of time the average you know the average game is well over 3 hours it's at a record point right now early in the season and the 3-2 outcomes up and that's what baseball that's 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 the that's the the crux right there is what are you going to do about it how are you going to speed this thing up? How are you going to have more action? How are we going to have more fun? How are we going to see more great athleticism on defense? And I'll tell you what, I've been seeing some funky, funky scoring going on. The old six-five-three double play. What? What the hell is a six-five-three 3 double play? Well, the shortstop's not playing shortstop. The third baseman's now playing shortstop. He's playing on the second base side of the bag and he gets the ground ball, and he flips Yeah, Elvis gets it, flips it to Chapman. Chapman's at second base. He's not third base, and it's a 6-5-3 double play. And I'm writing this down going, are you kidding me? It's just bizarre. How about the old 5-6-3 double play? You want another weird double play? And these are all what would be standard double plays, right, from second to first, right? How about the one 5-3 double play. <laughs> that happened in Saturday's game in the second inning. Uh, Tucker hits it back to Montas. Montas throws it to the third baseman who's standing on second for your old classic 1-5-3 double play. that crazy? It's like we need to get rid of positions. Like No one really has a position anymore. You can just be anywhere.
2: Well, I mean, you were, you were just talking about seeing great defensive plays and athleticism. Colin Moran, I'm watching, I am watching. have the Pirates-Padres game on right now. Colin Moran in the second inning tried to go the opposite way against the shift, hits a ball in the left field, and your guy, Jerickson Profar, makes a web gem diving catch in left field as a guy's trying to beat the shift. He beats the shift, and the guy makes a great play. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that happening. Now, Jerickson Profar made it look very awkward because he's not a left fielder but he made the catch, so there's your defensive athleticism we're seeing from players, where it's not going to be a, a three-true outcome where we've seen so much. Perfect example, real quick, because I know we're going to get to Mike Farron. Jacob deGrom had 14 strikeouts the other day. The final score of the game was 3 nothing. The Mets couldn't score a run. And the game I think it was a longer game. The Mets couldn't score a run. And the Mets, the Marlins struck out 14 times, yet they, they scored three runs, two on the, 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 the Mets' uh, atrocious bullpen. But still, that there's so many strikeouts in the game anymore. The Cubs are supposed to be cutting back on their strikeouts this year. They're the worst hitting
1: team in baseball and it's not even close. Oh you, you uh, oh we got to get to that. All right. We'll get to that. We'll get into it Mike friend. The Cubs are hitting. Cubs are hitting. So the Cubs and the Orioles are neck and neck right now for the MLB lead and three true come out per, out, outcome percentage. And, oh, by the way, the Cubs are hitting .099 as a team. Mike Farron from the Diamondbacks and Sirius XM, next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Now back to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Is he calling
2: us? I'm going to call Mike here in a second. So It's
1: not going to be by video?
2: Uh, no, he's at the ballpark, so we're not going to get a chance to video with him. He said that's he said four thirty is right when he gets to the ballpark.
1: All right, so, so we'll call him right now. I'm on MikeFerrin.com as we speak.
2: That's when you know you're legit if you have your own website.
1: Yeah, he's big time.
4: That's National a power. World that's
2: World. a power play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Mike Ferrin. Hello, hello. I'm on your website right now. I'm looking at your resume.
3: Oh, no. Why are you doing that?
1: Secondary play-by-play announcer, host of Arizona Diamondbacks pre- and post-game shows, host of (laughs) D-backs podcast, hot stove and BP show, national host SiriusXM, host of the Power Alley. You also host ALDS, NLDS, ALCS, NLCS, and the winter meetings. You're a big deal.
3: No, I'm not. I just try and, you know, like everybody else, I try to make my resume sound better than it actually is.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about while reading your resume, I'm like, I can't even remember the last time I updated my resume. I don't even know where my resume is. Well, you know, in this business, it always makes sense to have a
3: fresh resume because you never know when you're going to have to change a the gig.
1: <laughs> oh, God. You know, I your guys' show, like I tell you know, Power Alley is my favorite show. It's what I listen to going to the golf course. I can't tell you how many times I, I've been hitting balls on the range before I would play listening to you and the Duke. I, I, I really think as a baseball show, there's not really many shows better than what you guys are doing on the daily basis.
3: Well, thanks. The check's in the mail. So I, I appreciate it. I mean, I think one of the things that we I, – I would assume that one of the reasons why you – like it is because you feel like we do that this is entertainment and it's supposed to be fun right and so baseball shouldn't be life and death we should enjoy it that's why i like coming on with you it's like we like baseball you know, we are frustrated at times of course but like hey man this is just baseball it's not you know this ain't we this is rocket science or anything we, we ain't solving the world's problems
1: well i'm sure you you talked about sunday night baseball and what we saw last night and You know, watching Mark DeRosa, I taped the uh, MLB Central today. I watched it later on, and he's just flipping out about it. I mean, what do we do? I mean, clearly the guy was out at home. You saw it, and, uh, like, it's such a bad call. It's a bad look. Well, I mean, I
3: I don't know what you can do. I mean, the the thing is, is that we want Replay to get the egregious calls right. Correct. Like that's the idea behind it is we're going to get the really egregious ones. Correct. But we still have human beings that are making the calls. And if you see six angles and five of them tell you one thing and one tells you another that might or might not be true, is it enough to make the, the change? Is it enough to do it? And I think that's probably where I would assume that's where the umpire who was making the decision in New York, Got tricked a little bit. I mean, I think if you see the angle that's kind of from the first base on deck circle, you go, I don't know, did his toe hit the plate? Did it not? You know, what does it kind of look like? And then if you see the one from directly behind home plate, you see that Darno pushed his leg, you know, what it looks like, you know, from me to you off the plate. So I don't know. I think it's if you're looking for things to try and, and you know, ensure that, that you, it has to be, you know, 100% clear cut concrete. That these things are going to happen, and and I don't know that the other way is better, right? Like if if you have somebody who's in there who's looking to change the call or looking for something that you know gives them a sign and it's not clear cut and they change it the other way, that doesn't necessarily make it any better. I mean, this is that as much as we're using technology, it's still the human element at play.
1: Yeah, I I say it all the time on my show. The technology, the problem's not the technology; it's the humans using it. So let me ask you: I don't know the answer to this. But back in New York, do they have video specialists? I'm not talking about baseball people. I'm not talking about umpires. Yeah. It's people who are professional video people helping the umpires to see what really is going on. Because there are professionals who know how to deal with this kind type of equipment and to use it correctly.
3: Yes, I, there, there definitely are. It's not just the, you know, like two umpires sitting with a cup of coffee and a box of Dunkin' Donuts in a room (laughs) like they've got a huge replay center with a number of technicians that are helping them and they can ask for multiple angles they can ask to zoom in on things they can ask to do all these different things and listen the review took five minutes last night so I don't want anybody to think that the umpire who was making that decision wasn't doing it with care you know they were trying to it took so long which is another issue because they wanted to try and get the call right they made a mistake it's you know it's it's the equivalent of Jim Joyce missing the call in and Andres Galarraga's perfect game, which helped lead to more expanded replay. It's never going to be perfect. It's just got to be better. And, and it is better, but it's, it's still, there are still going to be these frustrating moments that happen.
1: You know what's so weird about baseball versus football and basketball is when there are bad calls or when there's things that you just go, this isn't right. The owners come out and talk. You'll hear from owners after a football game. You'll hear from owners in the NBA. It's like baseball. This one game at the end of the year could end up costing a playoff spot, and we'll never hear from any of the owners. Whenever there's screw-ups, we never hear from the. Why in baseball do we never hear from the owners?
3: That is a really good question. I would think that the more you talk, the more you open yourself up to scrutiny. Um, and so I would assume that that's the case. Now, you know, full disclosure, I'm employed by the Diamondbacks too, and our, our owner does speak occasionally publicly. And, you know, he wants to you know, present his side of arguments. But I think it's, you know, very rare. You might see two or three times a year. But I also think that they employ people who are, you know, agents of ownership, whether it be team presidents or general managers or, um, you know, a combination of both that are, are empowered to speak on their behalf. And so, You know, I think that's where some of it comes from. But I don't know that, you know, like if an owner comes back, first of all, the Braves, well, the Braves are owned by by a corporation, right? So I don't think Terry McGurk from Liberty Media is going to go out (laughs) and make a statement (laughs) on the umpires last night. I don't know that I I, I could tell you that's not Liberty Media's culture because they're also a a major owner of of my other employer, (laughs) Curious XM. So like they're, they're not going to come out and do that, but like, I don't know what it necessarily serves as purpose. And, and I think the other thing is like, you know, there's only 16 football games, right? So like once you know, you're, dealing with something once a week, we're doing this every day. And if you came out and, you know, stomped your feet about every perceived slight, you would get all of a sudden to be like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't talk so much. Right. So.
1: So tonight, we're looking for maybe some history. According to my notes, no D-back has ever hit a home run in five straight games. And Escobar, who's been red hot during the streak hitting in 438, uh, looking to be the first D-back to do that. Could be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he,
3: uh, he was colder than cold until the last day in Colorado, and now he's hot as can be. And he is not missing the barrel right now. Um, you know, as you mentioned, four homers in four consecutive games. And Escobar had a really rotten 2020 season. I mean, it was a really bad year. And so to see him bounce back has been, you know, at least in these last couple of games, has been very gratifying. Um, it's been nice to see. But I think they're going you know, to need him to continue to be productive. Um, I don't think he's going to homer every game from here on out. But with Cattell Marte out of the lineup and Christian Walker out of the lineup for right now, like I think they're going to need some some more production out of Escobar, and they're going to have to keep keep him hot because, um, you know, at least for tonight they're without two big bats, and for Marte it's a while longer with him on the injured list.
1: Well, you know, Tom Candiotti came on the program at the start of the right before the start of the season. We were talking D backs, and I was asking about Mass and Bumgarner, and he called Mass and Bumgarner probably like a fourth in the rotation guy, which is like, wow, that's how far he's fallen, making $23 million. But, you know, the bottom line is the D-backs have lost eight of his 11 starts since signing with the team. What have you been seeing from what you used to see with the Giants and where he is now? Yeah, I mean, I think
3: it's, an, it's actually not that far off from where he was with the Giants in 2019. I mean, the velocity has ticked back up this year from where it was last year. You know, I think some of it's pitch execution. You know, his last start was in cores, and and, you know, I think as this outing went on, his curveball flattened out on him a little bit, and that's a big pitch. So, I mean, I think it's you know, the guy's got a lot of innings under his belt, and uh, you know, I think I think his. So, I I don't want to denigrate him because obviously this is one of the great competitors of the last fifteen years, and he's a tremendous postseason pitcher, and he's got the you know he's got the skins to prove it, right? But But I think there was a little bit of an inflated sense of where he fit into a rotation from the perception of the public based on the way he pitched in the postseason where he was probably more like, you know, less a a true number one and more like a very good two or kind of a three. Um, I think he can potentially get back to that kind of number three starter mold, but we need to see a little bit more consistency in terms of fastball command. He needs to be able to locate the cutter a little bit better. He, he, I thought early in the game, in his last year against Colorado, did a good job kind of changing the shape on it and making it a little bit longer to get some swings and misses from righties. And, um, I would like to see him use his change more because it's actually pretty good. But I think there's he's kind of in that, that mold that veteran pitchers get into where you're trying to be stubborn against the, hand, the, uh, the sands of time while at the same time learning how to adjust with what you have. And he was pretty close at the end of last year, I think, to figuring out he's got a little bit better stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if in the not-too-distant future he starts putting up some more Madison Bumgarner-esque starts, just maybe not to the, the you know full-blown fire and brimstone guy that he was in his late 20s.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure you looked at the schedule for the A's to start the season, first 10 games against the Astros and the Dodgers. They struggled early, Mike. They were terrible. They couldn't pitch. Starters weren't good. Bullpen wasn't good. They couldn't hit. But the last two games, actually the last three of four that the A's have won, especially the last two, they look like themselves again. It's like they kind of got their swagger back. What do you expect from the athletics in this quick two-game set?
3: Well, I mean, I
1: think I think you're waiting for guys like Matt Olson to get hot. You're waiting for Matt Chapman
3: to get hot. You're waiting for Sean Murphy to get hot. I mean, Sean Murphy's not going to strike out in fifty percent of his plate appearances this year. So, I think it's just more you know timing than anything. And get and you know guys get off to slow starts. And and you know I I still really believe in the core of this A's team. I mean, I think it's really good in the rotation. I think. They have four outstanding core offensive pieces in, in the Mats and Loriano and um, and Murphy. And, you know, Tana has been great the last two and a half years. And, um, you know, obviously has been a big spark in the leadoff spot. So, you know, I, I don't know that I can necessarily predict what to expect in the next two games per se. But I do think that this is going to be a pretty typical, will feel like a pretty typical A's squad where you're going to look back in, you know, May or June and realize the slow start was something that happened. Cause it seems like every year to last year, the A's starts slow. And like, it's going to be gone. And all of a sudden you're going to realize, oh yeah, this is a team that is, um, you know, a legitimate contender. And I think that they still have a very good chance of winning the
1: AL West. Handicap the NL West for me. We knew Dodgers and Padres would be mm-hmm. good. Giants kind of shocking. Hey, the D-backs, you guys are one hot streak away from being in it too.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's clearly the Dodgers division. I mean, I think it's the Dodgers league really. I mean, they're really, really good. So, um, you know, I, and I think even with the changes that the Padres made this winter, I think that, you know, for a while they caught up to them and then, you know, the Dodgers went out and added Bauer and, you know, Corey Kniebels looked unbelievable for them so far. And that was a huge add. Um, You know, so I think it's, those are two, the two best teams for sure. And then, you know, the Giants are kind of plucky, you know, they have very good starting pitching and they've done a very good job of identifying players that kind of fit their, their mold. And so I, I really like what they have. I think, um, you know, I'm, I have questions about what their offense is going to be. I mean, they're going to try and platoon away as many of the disadvantages that they have, you know, that that's kind of part of their plan. Um, and I think the Diamondbacks are kind of right with them in that spot and that they're, you know, a team that if, if things go right, can, you know, be battling for one of the wild card spots but there's not a whole lot of margin for error and that's kind of how i view both of those teams right now and right now you know the Diamondbacks' backs with margin for error is you know there's there's a fair margin for it <laughs> i mean there's they're right in that, that spot now with a couple of key guys out and um you know that that the, if this wasn't necessarily going to be a great offense to begin with that they've got a chance to be able to be you know to to try and you know, make hay over the next 10 days of the group that they have can help to buoy them the rest of the way. But I think their rotation is going to be a little bit better than what it's shown overall, and especially tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a great matchup. Like, I'm so fired up for tomorrow. Zach Gallen and Ace Lizardo is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, that's going to be good. Let's end on this because we know you got to go to work. Um, I don't know what the Minnesota Twins and the other sports teams in Minnesota are going to do because this is not going to stop anytime soon and they're now talking about a curfew being put tonight in Minneapolis. Are they just going to have to take the twins out of Minneapolis for a while and they just become road warriors?
3: I don't know. I don't know. I think that they're, I mean, as of from what the president, David St. Peter, said earlier this afternoon, it didn't seem like um, that was something that had been discussed to this point. I don't know. And to be honest, I haven't seen the news in the last couple of hours to know, you know, what has happened, you know, if anything, uh, on the streets of, of Minneapolis and the suburbs um, since then, but you know it certainly is something that is a huge concern, um, and it, and I think more than anything for the you know for the safety and the health and well being of of you know the residents in, in Minneapolis and especially those that you know are affected by the, these you know continuing issues. I mean, this is you know, like this is cr- crazy to think that like we're still in the midst of the George Floyd trial and this happened. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not going to, you know, take sides in this argument. I don't think this is probably the place to do it, but um, I certainly do. I do appreciate the fact that the, the twins said that, you know, it was for the safety of everybody involved and for out of respect to the family of the of the young man that was shot and, and killed yesterday, that they were going to postpone today's game. And I guess we're just going to have to be in a wait and see mode.
1: Well, looking at that resume, you are a big deal and I can't wait When we all can hook up and I can buy you beers again. Oh, someday. Someday we'll all be able to do that. You are the best and keep doing a great job and keep entertaining me. Uh, I'll do my best. Anything to entertain you, Tony. (laughs) Take care, buddy. All right. Talk to you later. Mike Farron, Sirius XM, and also with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Their show's great. Jim Duquette has turned into... You know, these GMs turn media guys. You know, Phillips and Bowden and Duquette. They just give you a perspective on our game that, let's face it, ex players can't. Media guys can't. But these guys, can you imagine if Billy Bean wanted to all of a sudden do television or do, do you know, get on Sirius XM, the stories he would have? I mean all these guys they've signed the bazillion dollar contracts for players. They've done the trades. They've worked in the game for all these years. And that's why getting their perspective on a daily basis about how the games run, they know the ins and outs. They ins and outs. They they know things that flat out Cody will never experience. You know, we're never going to run a franchise. Let alone these guys have run multiple franchises and they've been assistant general managers in multiple franchises. So when we get a Ned on or Jim Duquette, it's just their perspective is always going to be different. And it's, and it's, I, I think, I think they're really fascinating.
2: No, I agree. And I think, I think Bowden does a great job and Steve Phillips and obviously Jim Duquette. They're, Hearing former GMs' insight, as you mentioned, is is powerful stuff because you're not going to be able to hear that from. No offense, I mean we love Mike, but you know guys that didn't work in the front office or be around that are around the game, and intricacies of it are like the, the G, former GMs are. It's a good dynamic to bring to a show. You got a, a host like yourself or Mike, and then you have a GM. Like These two guys talking baseball and that are entertaining. Their show is very entertaining. Jim Bowden's entertaining. So is Steve Phillips their morning show is entertaining Steve Phillips does a show on stadium, which I don't have anymore, but it was on sling when I had sling I have youtube TV now um it, it's entertaining and, and it adds a different aspect to it than just having your traditional baseball writer, host and former player dynamic that you see on like a baseball tonight or MLB network uh Dan O'Dowd is another uh really good yeah, an, yeah another no good one so I like having the former GM because they can can take you inside stuff that a lot of people have no idea about. And I'd love to see Billy Bean do TV or radio um, just because we already know that he can be great in a movie, so why not TV or or radio?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I like him. I like him. They they, they educate you. And the other thing is now the gloves are off. They can actually say what they want to say. I mean, how many times, like, we have David Forrest on, and we'll have David on, and then hours later, he's trading for a guy, or he's putting a guy on the DL, or is it? But he can't tell us on the air until it's actually so the, the transaction is actually done. They have to be secretive. Well, now these guys don't have to be secretive. They can they can tell you the true skinny to where most of these executives are always going to have to, you know, be a little coy when speaking to the media. But once you're out of the game, you can come clean, and you can tell all the stories. Like Jim Duquette talked about trying to get those uh, Gucci loafers for a trade. Yeah, That's a and good he story. he never got it. And with Steve Cohen now buying the Mets, who's worth $16 billion, he goes, I wonder if I'm finally going to get my shoes. His Gucci shoes. That was a funny story. Do you want some I, – I hate to do it, but
2: because um, we – we can, go around the, uh, we can go around Major League Baseball, but do you want some ba- bad news? I guess it's not bad news. I mean, I guess you can look at it as encouraging, too. This is from Martin Gallegos from Bob Melvin's media session, probably about 20 minutes ago. Bob Melvin says, Chad Pinder won't be ready to come off the IL at the 10-day mark. He's still shut down from all baseball activity right now with the left knee sprain. Does not think it's something that will require surgery, just more rest. So I guess that's it's discouraging and encouraging at the same time where – it's it stinks that he's gonna be back at the ten day mark, but it's not something where he's gonna need surgery. So I guess that's
1: a positive uh, take from I'm it. I'm not I'm my spidey senses are going, and if he is not ready to go after ten days, it's worse than you think. I agree. That's ten days, dude. Ten days of getting rehab, ten days of taking and you know, some type of medication to get the swelling down. That's ten days. And you're still shut down from all baseball activity? I mean, I'm sure he's had the MRI, but man, how bad is it?
2: Well, I think what it's the same thing with AJ Puck too, right? He's not gonna be back at the 10 day mark either, I don't believe.
1: if that's all they over the weekend. I, so I can't I can't rely on that kid anymore. I can't like if anybody just said, well, you know when AJ Puck, how do you know he's gonna come back? How you have no you have no clue what he'll ever be able to give you. Yeah. As we're talking about 30-something starts, this guy has been rehabbing now for years. Makes one appearance. What do you go, three and a third? Yeah, three and a third. And back on the shelf. That's, I mean, you've had shoulder surgery. You've had Tommy John. I mean, his career is basically, he's been he's been getting paid to rehab.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate because we thought he could be. A, we were wondering what his role would be this year, and then you hear that you know he might not be back at the ten day mark. Uh, I'm hoping for the best still because I want my uh, my prediction to come true. But whatever way he can help the A's win this year, that's all that matters. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see what that role will be. And uh, I do there is something I do want to get to with you, but we can do it after Lou Trevino. We have to play the uh, Alec Boehm. Uh, he was thrown out at home. Play from in the Braves game last night. What what are we doing? And with instant replay, that's now twice in the last what three or four days that we've seen instant replay, not used the right way. Because I, to my opinion, I feel like umpires don't want to get their fellow brethren and and put them in hot water because it's saying that they were wrong. The Conforto thing was a complete botch job, and then now this was a botch job last night in, on Sunday Night Baseball.
1: I cannot disagree with you at all I've watched it over and over again uh this morning on MLB Central MLB Network that's their morning show Mark DeRosa went over it and over it and over it showed it all these angles I guess the way the foot kind of turned in front of the in front of the umpire I could see where he got fooled but there's no way that got bomb Alec bomb there's no way any part of his cleat touched home play no there's no part. There's not. I mean, it's it. It's clear. It's evident. It's there, and they didn't make the call. And it's just like, wow. Once again, it's not the technology's fault. It's the human beings using the technology, and that's why I had to ask asked Mike Farron, Who's in those rooms? Is it just these old umpires, as he said, drinking coffee and eating donuts? I mean, do you have video specialists there, experts who look at video, who can rewind, forward, rewind, change angles, going, guys, it's right there. Now, if he was out, they would have never called him safe. That's the thing. It's like whatever the call is, is re- it's got to be blatant for it to be changed. Yeah, and
2: it, it just – it it didn't come out the right way. Uh, Buster only was at the game and I listened to his podcast this morning. Well, he was a guest on his own podcast. I love how that works on Mondays. Where Tim Hose <laughs> from a hotel room, and Buster is a guest on the phone from the airport. They call it baggage claim Monday. But Buster pretty much said that Major League Baseball needs to have needs to come out with a statement today, pretty much acknowledging that they got that call wrong. Because he was like, how many times do we see it in the NBA where they have the two-minute report, or the NFL comes out and says how they botched the call? Baseball never does that. They never come oh. out and say they got to- do we say anything about the Armando uh the uh Armando Galaraga perfect uh imperfect perfect game Jim Joyce said something days later he admitted that he was wrong it should have happened that night
1: that's just it's it's a, it's a transparency problem you're right in the NFL you're allowed to put X amount of plays together and send it back to the commissioner's office and then there'll be a report back to the Raiders or the Niners or whoever your team is, and it'll say, yes, we got that one right. Yes, we got that one wrong. Now, it doesn't change the outcome of the game, but, 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 but at least you as a football team, you know you were right and you got hosed on this call, and they admit it. And that's why I asked Mike Farron, isn't it odd? If the Dallas Cowboys get hosed, Jerry Jones talks after every single game. You know there there's there's owners who have radio shows. There's owner. I mean, look at the NBA. Mark Cuban. You don't think Mark Cuban, if the, his Mavericks get hosed, he's not going to be talking to somebody about it. Joe Lacob. Media people will run into Joe Lacob. He's at every game. You don't think he's going to talk about something like that? I. You just don't hear from owners in Major League Baseball. I get the games every day, but on a call like that seriously on a call like that if you're the Phillies that could cost you a playoff berth whether that is right or wrong for the Braves could cost you whether it goes your way or not I mean it could help you or hurt you one game one game on a totally botched call we lived it in 2012 one game that was going to hurt one of the that was hurting one of the franchises and it goes to the Phillies and not the Braves and if the Braves fall short by a game, you don't think they're going to look back at that?
2: I'll remember because I, I just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't sit well with me that we can't acknowledge when things are wrong, especially when other sports are acknowledging when things go wrong like that. And just to watch that replay over and over and over again, and listening to the commentary by Matty V and Timberlop's owner, Alex Rodriguez, um, it, was, it was great to hear them talk about it too, because, it, you need to have an objective view on it. But the, there was no point in any of those replays on ESPN that showed his foot touched the plate at all. And it's like, yeah. how do you miss that? How do you miss that? And then it takes you back to the, the, uh, the, the strike zone and balls and strikes. We need the automated strike zone. I know people are going to go, no, no, no. We need the human element. No, I'd rather us yell at a computer than yell at a, yell at a, a human being back there for making a mistake.
1: Well, yeah, H- here's the thing. For all you people who want the human element, then you should be able to say when the human element screwed up. If that's what you want, just sitting on it and not saying anything, well, if you want human element, then you need to admit when the human element's wrong. And they don't. They sit on it and they hide. It's just, it's bad. I don't know why. I can't answer that. I mean, is it because of unions? Is it, I don't know. I mean, they just let it... You you know, maybe that is the problem with playing every day. You think, well, we'll just have another game tomorrow. No, no, no. This game means a lot. And you just butchered it. We don't know who would have won the game, right? They were tied.
2: Yeah, it was a 6-6 in the top of the night. Yeah, you
1: don't know who would end up winning the game if it goes to extra innings. But that game, right, that call was brutal. Coming up next, he may be your new closer. Lou Trevino will join us from Arizona right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Sean And
0: Shamanaya has no hit the Red
2: Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7
3: destination for A's baseball.
1: Chris Townsend with you here on A's Cast Live, and I'm going to tell you, as long as Trevor Rosenthal is out, Lou Trevino has to step it up. He's going to be closing games. Gonna closing games. I think you're going to see Deekman closing games. I think you're going to have Wendelkin in there but Lou is going to be a big part of this bullpen. And here's my conversation with the right-hander down in the Valley of the sun earlier today. Well, it is my honor to be working today with two PSAC legends. You talk about two of the greats from the PSAC conference. (laughs) We got commander Cody and the great Lou Trevino. How are you, Lou?
4: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
1: Uh, Doing great. You know, Really, in the first time in my career, and I've been doing this a long time, to have a Sunday off, it was so bizarre. What was it like for you?
4: Uh, it was it was quite nice, and I've heard that from just about everyone. No one no one's really had an off day on Sunday, so uh, it was nice to kind of soak up the sun and and just enjoy some some relaxation time from that long uh, from that that long stretch of games we had.
1: Yeah, what was that like opening up ten straight? two times against the Astros, once against the Dodgers. Everybody else is getting days off but you guys. What was that like?
4: It was, it was uh, you know, it was trial by fire, you know. Got two very good teams we had to face, and, and it kind of, you know, it's it centered us a little bit, and, I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be good for it in the end.
1: Well, and I think about those last two games where your ball club scores th- 13 runs, they hit five home runs. Balls are flying into the second deck. Did you kind? Did you get that sense going? Going, okay. This is who we really are.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. Maybe some people were panicking a little bit, but we're we're, we're such a good team. I think we're we've got we've got a solid group of guys that you know those those first few games weren't in, in indicative of, of the year that that we're about to have. So it was nice to see uh, you know see some home runs, you know see some t- timely pitching some timely hitting, some good defense. You know, it was, it, was, it was nice to get back to the brand of baseball that that we're, we're used to.
1: You know, I I just couldn't stand – it was a national game on FS1, and I just couldn't stand their broadcast. So I switched over to listen to our buddy Jeff Blum in the Astros broadcast, and I didn't realize this, but did did you guys know that in every game against the Astros, whoever scored first won the game?
4: I was not aware of that at all no. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I I was like kind of like I was like I had to go back through my scorebook and go, "Is that true? Yeah, whoever scored what what do you think about that? Whoever scored first was the winner."
4: I think that's interesting. I guess that that uh I guess from now on we got to score first, right? You know? So <laughs> uh No, I was that's a that's a interesting little interesting little tidbit right there.
1: I'm not sure what conversation scott emerson had with with the starting pitchers but the last two games i noticed one thing that both shamanai and frankie montas their number one goal was to get out there and establish the fastball and it was fastball after fastball after fastball do you know of any type of meeting strategy meeting where he basically told the starters cut it out go with number one it's your best pitch
4: well, I mean, you know, you said it right there. You look at those two guys. Manaya has a very, very good fastball, and the fact that it's, you know, he is coming from a weird angle uh, and explodes on you. A lot of good movement. Same with Frankie. I mean, he's uh, upper nineties with a lot of sink on his two seam, great round on his four seam. So, um, I mean, you know, they they, they stuck with with a game plan, and and they, I thought they they did fantastic. And and you know, go, going back to you know their their last outings that's that's not those that they are very good pitchers and you know they just had bad outings you know that's gonna happen every once in a while just tough that happened a few times in a row but like those those guys are gonna be fine they have great stuff good command of the zone i think we have a great starting rotation i'm not i know i know i wasn't worried about it one bit
1: you know when i talk to bob melvin each week uh on the bob melvin show here on ace cast live and ace cast you know we go around the roster and talk about you know things that have to happen for you guys to be successful when trevor rosenthal went down i I know bob told us you know the guy he thinks needs to step up and you might be closing a lot of games is you and he and, and he said how he's talked to you and that you want that role you you have no problem you don't fear it just talk about the conversation that you had with bob and i have a feeling if that game would have been closer on saturday you would have you would have been the guy in there closing this thing out
4: yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I was, I was I was talking to Bo Mel uh, a bunch, and, and first of all, he's, he's a fantastic manager. I, I absolutely love playing for him. Um, but like I've always told him, you know, wh- whatever he needs me to do, whether it's long relief, whether it's closing, whether it's being a setup man, like I I, I will do my best. And I know right now I, I feel great. I'm, I'm having good success to start off the year, and and uh, and I'm just gonna c- continue to to. Uh, attack the zone and, and do what I, I need to do, whether it's in the cl- closing role or not. Because, again, you know, you, Deke, is, Deke is is a, is fantastic. I mean, he's nasty in his own right. So, you know, with what whatever Bomo wants me to do, I'm all for it.
1: Do you feel like it, it, it's now your time, like where you've been, the early success, and then you work through some issues, but just now that it's Lou Trevino's time to shine?
4: I mean, I feel great. I, I can't control where I'm put, you know, uh, that, that's up to, that's up to the coaching staff, but, you know, go, going into this year, I felt, I felt great. You know, my arm feels good. And I knew that with whatever I was, I was tasked to do, whether it's long relief, like I said, or whether it's closing, I, I knew that I was, I was going to have, um, I'm, I know that I'm going to have a good year. So, uh, you know, I, I, I try and, I try and stay away from the un- uncontrollables, you know, and I just try and, control what I I can control.
1: Well, your stuff has been fabulous and it's been, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun to watch when you guys go back into Houston and we've got to think no one's doing anything anymore. You know, there's not a camera behind you looking at signs or wherever a camera could be as in the past, they tried to get the advantage. There's no banging on trash cans, but is there still a sense when you go in there that there still there there could be some funny business going on, and so you're constantly having to change the sequence of your signs.
4: I mean, maybe a, a little bit. I, I mean, if anything, that whole what what that all taught us was to not be complacent, and not just assume that everyone is going to play the game straight up. And I'm not saying that it, that no, no one is. I'm not saying that at all. But if anything, it it was a uh, it was a wake up call for us to be a little more conscious. You know, change, change sign ups uh, sign up the signs up a, a, a little bit, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it was just what wake up call. And, and, you know, it, sometimes, you know, when when people say people are too paranoid, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's good to, to be paranoid. Sometimes people are paranoid for, for a reason. And yeah, it, it's well, like I said, it was just a good wake up call. And, you know, we, we, uh, pre- prepare for all that stuff now. So,
1: yeah, uh, You know, I, I got to think it, it's tough enough to get outs. You're, you're facing the best hitters in the world. It's tough enough just to get them out. Then I'm thinking, man, you got to be up on the mound. You got all these different signs. You got to change the signs constantly. That's got to get annoying.
4: I mean, I would love to play baseball straight up. You know, I think that'd be cool. Just mano mon- y mano. I think that'd be awesome, but that's just not the world that, that, that you live in. And, you know, like I said, Teams might, might not be doing it. Teams might, like, I have no idea. But it, it would be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be wise to just not ch- change things up. You know, like, like, like you said, it, it'd be awesome if we don't have to worry about it. But that's just not the world that, that we live in, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys are changing signs with nobody even on base.
4: Uh, Yeah, it. you know, I don't, there's no, there's no reason to give up runs unnecessarily if if you can avoid it. So. Whether or not you know p- people are trying to steal signs, it- it's always good to to have that that layer of security. Where okay, at least I didn't give up runs because you know they they knew what was what, what was coming. You know, so I-, I think it's always good just to just to ha- have that layer of uh, s- security. You know,
1: you know, as a pitcher, I I, I assume some guys are cool to shift behind him, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys who hate it behind him. And the A's, we found out that the A's percentage of shifting, like 2018, the ball club shifted 17% of the time, but it's jumped, it's skyrocketed. So far this season, your defense is shifting 71% of the time. Do you like the shift behind you?
4: I like the shift behind me if it works, you know, and and I feel like we've we've been doing a pretty good job with it. It's one of those things where you don't, you don't recognize the shift until it's until you get beat by it and then and then those those times that you get beat by it, it amplifies and maybe you think well we're getting beat by it all the time when in actuality more times than not it's helping you know it's not like we're we're not doing it for, for a reason and you know you see all these other teams especially some of these outfielders where you got you got guys hitting balls down the line that you think are guaranteed doubles in, and and you got a right or a left fielder camped under it like it it, it works for a reason but Sometimes when you get beat by it, it's it's a that's a tougher pill to swallow. But you know that's just that's kind of that's what you got to deal with. You got to roll the dice and and uh, see what happens.
1: Uh, you're a strikeout guy, and I wonder for guys that are pitched to contact, how how they feel about it? Because I wonder, do you pitch to the shift, or do you just say the hell with it? I'm going with what's best for Lou Trevino?
3: Uh, I, I think you'd have to ask
4: uh, other guys that question. I know me personally I, for every batter that steps on i kind of i glance to see what, where the defense is at just just to see but you know I, I have my own game plan and, and if i could strike out every single batter that i face I don't have to worry about it so that's that's my goal personally
1: <laughs> hey, when you got that kind of stuff Lou why not?
4: <laughs> yeah hey I'm trying.
1: Hey, we always appreciate the time. You're off to a great start, and it's been good to see. And now you got that really tough stretch out of the way. I feel like we can now kind of hit the reset button, get on a hot winning streak, get past 500, and start making that trek to the postseason. And we'll talk to you later on during the season.
3: Yep, sounds good. It was good talking to you.
1: Can you please explain, Commander, what the PSAC conference is for our audience who probably has no clue?
2: That'd be the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. Lou went to Slippery Rock, and I went to California University of Pennsylvania, also known as CalU. So we're uh, we're arch enemies. We talk about when we see each other. I flash that medal I got that I got at my school in front of him all the time. Although his school, I went back and looked. His school beat my school in baseball three out of four this year, but that's okay. but yeah, the PSEC is a Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. There's a few guys in the majors from there besides Lou. If I'm not mistaken, I think Joey Wendell's from is from there. There's like and there's a couple other guys that played for some of the Division II schools that are not really known as baseball powerhouses. Hembo's a Division II guy. He understands the uh, the trials and tribulations of being a Division II player.
1: I I couldn't tell you. Well, But I, I wouldn't.
2: know. I didn't play college baseball. But I mean, you want to? You were D one.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you what D2 life is. (laughs) Sorry. Somebody's got to play with the big boys. Somebody has to.
2: Somebody has to serve a home run to Kotze and
1: Giambi. (laughs) I never gave up a home run to Kotze.
2: But Giambi confirmed. Well, we've talked about it before. I
1: I was smart, and I walked him. (laughs) I wanted no part of Mark Kotze, the greatest college baseball player of all time. Didn't you
2: ask Giambi about, I'm pretty sure you told Giambi you gave up a home run to him. When we had him on.
1: <laughs> you, 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 always, you always forget to tell the story of how I struck him out on Saturday. Then he got me for an 800-foot home run on Sunday.
2: Isn't there is like a similar story to A.J. Hinch, too, where he got you, then you got him back with a strikeout or something?
1: No, he bunted on Oh, me. yeah, he
2: bunted on you. That's it.
1: He bunt, he's a number three hitter for Stanford, number two. By the way, when I beat Stanford, and they were number two in the country. But he bunted on me, and I yelled at him. I got some choice words. For a three-hole hitter. On the number two ranked team is throwing down a bunt, really? Does it? Doesn't? Doesn't surprise me what kind of character AJ Hinch has and what he's done in his career after he did that to me in Palo Alto at Sunken Diamond.
2: You want? You want to hear something funny about AJ Hinch? Where? Where's, where are the Tigers playing tonight? Do you have any idea?
1: Where are the Tigers playing tonight?
2: Well, no, no Miguel Cabrera. He's on the injured list. Uh, something with his bicep. i haven't
1: checked my my my, my oh MLB2. i'll just tell you
2: don't even look i'll just tell you aj hinch is back in houston baby oh ho, 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 ho. are they and, gonna give him a standing o and it doesn't it doesn't get any better than this angel hernandez is the umpire i think he's the home plate umpire too so you you got a lot of good uh interesting elements going on in that game tonight in houston
1: AJ Hinch returns to Houston for the first time since being fired by the Astros January 2020 just hours after MLB released its findings on the Astros sign stealing investigation. Hinch's 481 victories as Astros skipper were the second most in team history, trailing who?
2: Second most in team history. Oh boy. I would say Phil Garner but he wasn't there long enough.
1: Bill Verdon. Oh, okay. He led the team to two pennants, including the tainted. This is what it says in the MLB notes. The tainted 2017 championship.
2: I meant to look up the score of that game. I think it just started in Houston, actually. Uh, Because I I figured this would excite you. I'm not, I can't promise it would happen, but I reached out to to Detroit and asked for two players on their team you have any idea what two players from Detroit I asked for to come on with us sometime this week when we play Detroit and Oakland? There's a former A, and then there's your favorite player of all time right now in baseball for Detroit.
1: Who's on Detroit from the
2: A's? Uh, Robbie Grossman's on the team. Oh, yeah,
1: I was like talking with Robbie. Robbie's great.
2: And then your favorite player in baseball, everyone's favorite player, the great Akil Badu.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about Badu. It's the yeah. greatest. I, I I've already got him in the Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, he's he's got he's cemented his uh, plaque in Cooperstown. Uh, move over, Babe Ruth. A kill but do is taking your spot yeah. as the best hitter ever.
1: I mean, one of the greatest starts in the history of the game. I mean, he made my end of the third inning. He made my end of the third inning hit so easy because every single night. By the way, did you see my text that I sent you?
2: Uh, yes, about the highlight. I do have it, yes. It's uh, about two minutes long. We have about four minutes, so I can play it. Well, are you going to do your around the horn? Uh, Well, we're not going to have enough time to go around all of them. Just
1: go do it quick. Go.
2: All right, well, do we want the Braves one or no? Because it's two minutes yeah. long. What,
1: wanna... But don't do two minutes. All right, here Just we go. Do like Here's the
2: play. Here's the Alec Bomb play last night on Sunday Night Baseball.
1: Dee pops that one into the opposite
2: field. Ozuna's got it. Baum's going to try it.
0: Here he comes, and he's safe at the plate. Wow. On a shallow fly ball into left field. They roll the dice with Ozuna's arm, and Boehm is able to score on a bang-bang play at the plate. Very aggressive base running here by Boehm in the Phillies. Shallow left field, the
2: throw. All right, so you get the gist of it. That's uh, Timberwolves owner Alex Rodriguez right there um, and, and Matt Faskersen on the call for ESPN. Uh, that was a terrible play, uh, what happened. I, I forgot to send myself the audio from Drew Smiley, but he called it embarrassing for what happened. If you look at that, with all those angles, the Braves go on to lose the game 7-6. Could it cost them the NL, NL East as I went down the end of the season? Maybe. Who knows? They're winning right now against the COVID-19 Marlins. Even Mike Trout weighed in by saying so bad on Twitter with a crying emoji uh, so when the best player in baseball is weighing in on this on Twitter, you know the baseball got it wrong. But uh, we haven't seen anything yet about uh, them correcting the call. Uh, this happened in the uh, or the uh, Rays-Yankees game. A new player for the Yankees stepped up big. Swung on and hit in the air to center field. It is going to drop for a
0: base hit. Hicks scores, and the Yankees take a 5-4 lead. Odor kind of muscled it to shallow center field, and it dunked in
2: in front of Phillips. Torres goes around to third, and the Yankees take a 5-4 lead. So the Yankees uh, salvaged the last game in the series against Tampa. That was the second time in the last five games Tampa Bay has lost when leading after seven innings, two more losses of that kind of that kind than the club had experienced in its previous 119 games. Do you think they miss Nick Anderson yet? They're closer. They're all world closer. Uh, I'm not going to be able to have time to get to the, the Orioles and Red Sox. J.D. Martinez had three home runs, uh, which is pretty incredible to hear Hear that. It was the third game of Martinez's career with three or more homers, and has happened for three different teams. He joins a list of Mark Teixeira, Dave Kingman, A-Rod, and Johnny Mize as players that have three homer games for three different teams. And Trey Mancini, our good friend, had two home runs over the weekend for the Orioles. But we'll get to the one that's uh, pretty near and dear to your heart from where you grew up, uh, this happened in Texas with the Padres. Ground ball to shortstop. Kim
0: will go to first. The San Diego Padres get their first no-hitter in the history of the franchise. And it belongs to San Diego's own Joe Musgrove, sending the Friar faithful into a frenzy. The big
2: right. So that was the Padres, TV Don Orsillo, and Mudcat, Mark Grant, on the call. Yes, uh, after 53 years, 8,205 games, and 140 other no-hitters thrown by other pitchers, it finally happened. The San Diego Padres get their first no-hitter thrown by a guy that grew up 13 miles from Petco Park, Joe Musgrove, former Pirate, who pitched against the Pirates on Wednesday, Small World. Uh, The Padres have had 31 hitters. It was the longest drought without a no-hitter since. The only team that has a longer one, the 1906 through 1964 Phillies, who won 8,000. Nine hundred forty-four games without a no-hitter. The the Padres one was nineteen thousand days without a no-hitter. But congrats. So
1: now, now every team has thrown a no-no, and the next thing is what? Only the Mariners are the only team that haven't been to the World Series.
2: Ah, au contraire, the Marlins have never had a player hit for the cycle.
1: Well, oh, who cares? Hey, I'm
2: just hey, I'm just looking. Yeah, yes, the Mariners are the only team that never. Yes, so that's a uh, that's that's some of the best things that happened over the weekend. Byron Buxton had a huge weekend. Uh, Carantini, the catcher for the Padres, he caught the last no-hitter that happened last year. Out Ale- when Alec Milster went for the uh, the Cubs, and then he caught this one. So he's caught multiple no-hitters on back-to-back, essentially the last two no-hitters. So but that's all it for says today.
1: For the pitch calling. Yeah. Give me a new contract. All I do is catch no-nos.
2: I mean, he was the backup behind Contreras, too. It's not like he was the starter in Chicago. So that's just some of the stuff that happened over the weekend. Obviously, we went over what happened with the A's and, um, but well, I mean, if you, if you care, uh, Otani at a home run and uh, Anthony Rendon on the IL, Dexter Fowler on the IL as well. The injuries are starting to pile up for the Old Angels down in Anaheim. All righty, that's going to do it, right? Yeah, we're going to play the David Force show next, leading into A's Total
1: Access with you. All righty, I'll be back in a little bit, getting you ready for game one of a two game set between the Athletics and the Snakes. Bassie, up against Mad Bum. We'll talk to you in a few.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.